episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. Now's the time to help us out, and there are so many ways you can. Subscribe, leave us a review, share your favorite episode, become a sponsor, or do all of the above. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter, and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. She may be no good, but she's perfectly, well, good at it. It's the stunning (laughs) Nancy No Good. Oh my god, hello, thank you. How are you? (laughs) I'm doing so much better after that illustrious introduction. I know, thank you, Rihanna, for uh, inspiring this intro. What? What Rihanna song? Oh my god. S&M. Oh, fuck. I may be good, but I'm perfectly, I may be bad, but I'm perfectly good at it. Yeah, I no, I'm getting... the word and there, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're slow. Are you, are you sure you're I'm gay? I'm so slow. I am because Rihanna's the reason I wanted to become a drag queen. I like, I was listening to her loud album when it came out and like pretty, that's like my favorite Rihanna album of all time because for some reason listening to that album, I was like, I want to dance to this album with a wig on for money from strangers. Like I, <laughs> like I, it, that album, I don't, I like distinctly remember where I was when I had this thought process. And I was like, that's it. I have to be a drag queen now. There you go. Here I am. Still haven't performed a Rihanna song, but you know, <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> well, we are here today on a pretty damn gloomy September day. It is um, rainy. It is rainy. I have not seen you. I couldn't even tell you the last time I saw you. I know. I I was trying to think about it before we started. I was like, when was the last time I saw Michael? I mean, obviously yeah. pre-pandemic, but like, when? <laughs> I know. I like, and that's the scary thing is like, I can't. I, I have the same thought process with so many people in my life mm-hmm. that I'm like, I don't know when I've seen you last. Yes, one hundred percent. Because I don't, and it just, it just, and also anything before the pandemic just feels like so long ago you know i i'm even thinking about the week that i had and all of the stuff that i had the week before like i went to a very close friend of mine's apartment in inwood area for dinner like the thursday before the shutdown Mm -hmm. i saw a broadway show that week like i'm just thinking what were the things i did that week and it feels actually like it was years ago it's strange we were last night at Albatross, or no, Icon. We were at Icon. I can't tell the difference anymore. <laughs> um, they're all outdoor. But we were like just reminiscing, like and I was looking at videos and photos from literally the last weekend before everything mm-hmm. shut down. And I was like, this was a different life then. Yes, 100%. I, I would even say our relationships were different then. Mm-hmm. With some of the people that you're, we talk to now, it's like. Totally. This... I feel like, I feel like people have, I like, I mean, I feel like, especially when the pandemic was starting, people were coming, I was, people were coming out of the woodwork to talk to me that I haven't talked to in a long time and like yeah. me vice versa to other people. And I was like, oh yeah, how are you? Like, you're a person that exists in my life. How is it going? It's wild. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I've definitely um, gotten closer to people and I, at the same time feel like I've disconnected with people who are, were really important in my life. Totally. It's, it's been really 100%. strange. 
Yes. Um, and then and then adding on the fact that so many people are ditching the city, it's like, will I ever see you again? Yep. Yes. I mean, it's like a new it's like a new Facebook status every day that someone's like, I'm making the heartbreaking decision to leave. Yeah. Wild. How many people it's, have left? Yeah, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Well, we're gonna talk about hopefully better things, and <laughs> those better things are you, Nancy. No good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, let's have some happiness. Let's talk about something fun. Well, let, let, let's start from the very beginning. Where are you from? Um, uh, uh, it depends on how you look at it. Either the back room at pieces or. <laughs> South Carolina. <laughs> Let's go with the South Carolina answer right, right now. Um, I'm from Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, so like the upstate area, Appalachian area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, was, what, was, what was life like up down there? Um, it was, I mean, it was fine. I, I, you know, I've, I've definitely thought about like what in my life was considered a hardship for me obviously being in this oh well i'm from a very um to put it all in perspective i'm from a very conservative catholic family mm-hmm. um raised roman catholic very very conservative in south carolina and south carolina is in the bible belt so it's all protestant denominations in christianity so um so for catholics in south carolina i think about four percent of the state's population is catholic so when you're catholic and you really are a devout catholic it's very not insular but you have your community of people right. of other catholics in that same way so that's what i you know my family grew up um with fr- family friends of other strong catholic families and that was the world i grew up in and i was like in it to win it i was going to be a priest for a very long time um which had nothing to do with my sexuality at first, but I was going to be a priest for a very, very long time. And I was, I found comfort. I found safety in Catholicism. I loved learning about it. I loved telling people and like, um, um, not preaching, but just like being a, a vessel for the church and being this person. I was so, so into that. Um, I mean, it was like, so, honestly stereotypical in so many ways i was a boy scout i was an eagle scout Um, that checks out yeah right (laughs) i like did i did all of these things and it's honestly because of who i was as a gay person as a catholic and because of who i was as a boy scout that led me to be the gay person i am now it's just so (laughs) ridiculous what were you like as a child um i was always smiley i was always happy-go-lucky um i've always had a very kind of bounding chronically optimistic energy to me that i um try to pride myself on Mm -hmm. and try to try to keep tabs i think especially in 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 times like this like how can i retain that sense of optimism so yeah so that's always been something that i've really held on to um i was very annoying of course i think as many flamboyant gay children are i was very very annoying um but i also grew up with a twin too i have a twin um who is non-binary and um they also live in brooklyn and the two of us i mean we had older siblings but they were pretty much out of the house by the time that we were growing up um so we were pretty much just the two of us growing up and definitely growing up facing the same situations 
mm -hmm. similar or similar situations and approaching them in very wildly different ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So growing up South Carolina, where did you go to school and what did you study? Oh, um, so I grew up in South Carolina. I went to Catholic school my entire upbringing mm -hmm. um, from well, I was homeschooled until the second grade. Um, my parents believed the family, blah, 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 blah. So I was homeschooled until the second grade and went into Catholic school until 12th grade. And then I was going to go to Catholic college. But around high school is when I really made the conscious decision that I didn't want to be a priest anymore. Mm -hmm. And there were a million other things that had interest me that had always interests me, but there are a million other things that interested me. And so, and also in high school was when I was really coming to terms with being gay um, and my sexuality and my gender and all of that. And same with my twin, uh, same with Dane. And so, you know, and, and really it was having them with me helped me realize all of this and realize that I don't want to continue this. And, you know, we both toured Catholic universities because our parents were like determined to have us go to one, but we were like, we want to go to state school. Like we just want to yeah. go to a public education for college. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was a very artsy kid. I was in theater my whole, um, I would say some of middle school, but most of high school, I was very, like very deep, deep, deep in theater, you know, as many other queer people sure. are. And so when college happened, I was like, I'm going to study acting. I originally wanted to go for film, but I couldn't find a film program at a state school. So and I wanted to stay in state because it was cheaper. Um, so, yeah, I went to school for acting and I'm very grateful I did. What ultimately brought you to New York? Um, ugh. At first, at first it was a boy, which I hate, ah. which I hate, but I, um, originally I didn't, it wasn't ever in my sight to go to, to move to New sure. York. It was, it wasn't really something I even thought about. I wasn't really, honestly, I don't think I was even thinking about my future, which is probably <laughs> not that good, but, um, I wasn't really thinking about where to go next. I was figuring probably Charlotte. I went to college, um, at a school called Winthrop University, which is in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Shout out, go Eagles. But it was right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. So I was like, oh, I'll probably maybe go to Charlotte or Atlanta. That's another big spot people go sure. to from my college, Chicago. Never thought about New York. And then I worked at um, a summer camp called Stage Door Manor, a theater uh -huh. summer camp. Because um, another thing to incorporated all into my stereotypical gay child upbringing i was um i was very very catholic i was a boy scout and i loved working at summer camps i worked at summer camps mm -hmm. my entire like high school half into college i was working all th through college i was working at summer camps and my last two summers of college i worked at stage door manor and i met someone and it was probably my first adult quote air quotes adult but like honest to myself relationship with another boy mm -hmm. so i was like head over heels <laughs> and then it ended very poorly which is a whole story which is actually kind of funny but 
I was already in the motions to move to New York and I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to move to New York and we're going to live together. And it's like, I was so set on that. And you then had the, you had the gay dream all ready to go. Girl, it was right out in front of me. I was like, we're going to get those two small dogs that all gays have and like live our best life. And, um, and then after we broke up, I was like, well, shit, I still want to move to New York because I've been learning about it and I've visited once and I saw a Broadway show and I like, it was my first Broadway show and like now I should move. So I, I still moved the fall after college. And also, you know, on top of that, as a gay person, I was like, I want to experience a city. Mm -hmm. Ever since I was a little kid, I knew that I wanted to live somewhere where I could walk everywhere. I didn't need a car. I love driving, but I wanted to have a neighborhood and I wanted to be able to access everything by walking. Absolutely. Honestly, I blame Hey Arnold for it, (laughs) but um, I just wanted that. So I was like, fuck it. So I moved in fall of 2013, right after college. So you're in New York mm-hmm. with a degree in theater. Mm-hmm. What did you do? I waited tables. I moved to New York. The day I moved to New York, I fucking love this story. The day I moved to New York, I moved because that same day I had an interview to be a, 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 a Manny, if you will, uh-huh. for a family that I, I gained the connection through working at Stage Door Manor. So mm-hmm. it's all these like theater kids and they're like just watching after school and stuff. I moved to New York. I um, later that afternoon is my interview. I get to my apartment. I set all my stuff down, and I get to the train about an hour early before my interview. Or because I was in Prospect Heights, Brooklyn, where I first moved, and I took the train to Tribeca, where the family lived, and I was an hour early because I didn't know the trains, and I was very nervous, and I didn't want to, you know, be late, and but I had an hour to, of time to kill. So I walked around in their area. It was a few blocks, like a, a few block radius around the, where their apartment was. And I found this restaurant that had literally opened a month before and they had a help wanted sign. And so I went in and I talked to the manager right away. And he was like, I like you, I think you're great. And as we were talking, I was like, oh sweet, I'm gonna be a waiter. Like, wow, New York starry eyed. <laughs> And he was like, we're looking for bussers. And I was like, yep, that's me. I'll be a busser. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm just gonna have to like slog dirty dishes and like move trash. And I like, I hated the idea of it because I was like, that's not glamorous. But I was also like, but I need a job. And then I went, I was like, okay, uh, I'll be in touch. And I went and I had that interview for the nanny job right after. and the job was like four hours a week. It wasn't anything. I was like, I cannot make a living off of this. Right. I need that busser gig. So then I just, I call, he gave me his number. The manager gave me his number. I called him and said, I'd be willing to take the job. And he was like, okay, show up. On, it was a Friday. He was like, show up on Monday and we'll, you know, wear this. This is your uniform. Show up and bring your documents and everything. And I was like, okay. And then I went to a, I went to a Starbucks on Varick Street because I didn't have Wi-Fi yet and I wanted to, you know, post about it on my Tumblr. And I, (laughs) so I posted about it and Mel B walked by and I was like, that's it. My first celebrity sighting. I got my job. I just moved to New York. This is it. I'm going to make it. Whatever that means. Yeah. There we go. When did drag enter your life? 
Um, drag entered my life when I was, uh, I, I can't look back on this and say that this is a bad thing because it was a really real, not, not a bad thing, but like, um, like stereotypical. I remember distinctly cause I would always sneak out, um, when my parents weren't watch looking and I would watch logo at nights mm -hmm. and, um, when I was in high school and a little in middle school, but mainly when I was in high school, I would watch Logo at like 1 a.m. And in January of 2009, I believe, when season one of RuPaul's Drag Race aired, yeah. they had Drag History Month. Okay. And so between that and, again, those late nights of Logo, they would have these reruns of uh, comedy stand-up. Mm -hmm. And I would watch Coco Peru's stand-up, and then I would oh, yeah. look her up online. Coco Peru was probably the first drag queen that I remember absolutely eating up. I was, I was like, watching all of her stand-up. I was like, she's fucking hysterical. She's a hilarious drag queen. I love her. And I was, I was shocked by her because I was, like, drag was so new to me, but yeah. I was so enamored with it. Um... And then I remember they, for RuPaul's Drag Race, they did this whole thing that was like Drag History Month. They called January to like market the season one of RuPaul's Drag Race. And I remember watching Drag Race in secret and like all of season one and following all of like, what are these drag history facts? And so I like learned more about that. And it was at the same time my senior year of high school when I was really, I was, I dated someone. Um, I, one of my first boyfriends who was like, very much like, you don't know what the Stonewall riots are? You don't know what this is? Like, you call yourself a gay person? I was like, I'm 18 and closeted. Like, fuck you. <laughs> so, like, I Googled all of this stuff. I wanted to learn who Harvey Milk was. Like, blah, blah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so, drag kind of added into that. And then when I turned 18 and gay bars in the South, that's when you're allowed in. So then I started going to the local gay bar, which has now been leveled in South Carolina. Not just closed. The building has been demolished. So, LOL. But I would go there and I would watch that drag. And I, so like, it was kind of like this whole mix of all of that. And I didn't, but so much of it, especially in college, so much of it was pageant drag. Sure. And um, I was like, that is a level of professionalism. I will admire from afar, but not something I find myself doing. Uh -huh. how, would, how, how would you describe Nancy in three words? Hang on a second. Let me think about this. Um, punky, messy, polished. Okay. I was. I thought you, after punky you're going to go Brewster, but okay. <laughs> what is the origin story of your drag name and persona? Yeah. So I um, really, honestly, I love. Um, I love being gay, <laughs> period. Um, I love being um, like a faggoty homosexual. Like I just love being very flamboyant. I love that. I love that part of me so much. And I knew going into drag that that was going to be such an important way for me to express my femininity, my flamboyance and my extravagance as a gay, mm -hmm. as a gay person. Um, and so 
in that vein, I love the phrase a Nancy or like, you know, like a femme, like, oh, look at that Nancy over there. Like, look yeah. at her. Like, I just love that. And I loved I love being in that world and having those friends like it's very boys in the band of me, I guess. But like, I think the play's <laughs> boring, but whatever. But I like but I love that name. So I was like, oh, I'll just take that on Nancy. And I thought Nancy No Good was just a great uh, alliteration. I was like, yeah, oh, absolutely. that's a fun alliteration. And like, it's fun. It's kind of like sparky and mischievous. And like, it's a fun, I, I, I want to, when I introduce my name to a guest, if I'm hosting a show, I was like, I want to introduce my name and I want them to react to it somehow. And I yeah. want them obviously to be positive. So I was like, I want to, well, not obviously, I wanted a positive reaction. And Nancy No Good is fun. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's why I chose it. How long does it take to transform into Nancy? Um, if I'm rushed, it takes probably an hour and a half. If I'm, if I'm rushed. And if I am having a night, I would say two and a half hours. Okay. Do you yeah. have any traditions you like to have when you get ready? Um, I used to make myself a cocktail every time. I don't anymore. But I think it's just because I drink less in general. But I still do it every now and then. Um, oh, 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 oh. My, like, big tradition is I always... Um, I put something on in the background that will psych me up. So if it's a specific playlist, then it'll be a specific playlist. But if it's not a playlist, I usually boot up my Shutter subscription and look up a horror movie to put on mm -hmm. in the background. And nice. I want something like super, typically I want it to be really campy and really gory and just like bloody and awful. And the final girl has like big boobs and blonde hair and like, just throw it at me. Yep. Nice. What are your favorite makeup products that you use? Let's get you a sponsorship. Oh my God. Please, please, please give me a sponsor. I mean, honestly, one of my favorite is my MAC lipstick. It's like so good. So like, please, MAC, if you're listening, please give me like makeup. Um, I would say if it's not my MAC, you know what, girl? I have not used any Morphe products until quarantine. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't used any Morphe products and I ran out of foundation in quarantine and my shade was discontinued from my tv paint stick i was like are you kidding me so my shade was discontinued so i had to like pick a new shade and then same with my contour so i was like how long have i had these tv paint sticks that krylon's like you know what let's just change the shades and not use these anymore so i like i was like looking for those i picked a new shade of for contour which is fine anyway i was looking for new foundation and new um white for my under eye mm -hmm. and you know everyone it's been this whole thing of like what can we use that's not jeffree star's drug lord blah 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 and so i was like what can i use and a lot of people have recommended to me morphe's white concealer and i was like oh okay and i i got that and i got their like 18 dollars full coverage foundation and both of those have worked like a fucking dream girl all right nice and I, nice like and i use like I got so many Morphe eye brushes because they're so cheap and they work amazing. I got the James Charles palette because it was on sale and it's like a wealth of colors. Like, yeah, I was like, great. I mean, nothing beats my sugar pill taco pressed eye powder, powder but everything else is Morphe for me right now. So when is the uh, collab going to happen? The Morphe by uh, Nancy. My Morphe X Nancy. I yeah. know, right? Well, there's already that, what is it that- Maddie Anastasia, Ziegler has one. I know. 
I haven't seen her products yet, but I want, I want, oh fuck, what did I see? I saw something recently and I was like, that would be something Nancy would do. Oh, the, the hip dot meatball eyeshadow yeah. palette. I'm like, fuck, that is such a good palette. I was like, that would be something I would do. Either that or what's that neon palette? Is it Anastasia Beverly Hills? Maybe. You know what I'm it's like neon, it's something like that. And it's, it's like a neon palette. And one of my Judy's I was talking to her and she was like, she was like, is this an anti palette? And I was like, fuck you, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What was your first gig and first lip sync? Okay. So my first gig was Frisky Fridays with Dusty Ray Bottoms, mm -hmm. where I premiered. Guest host was Scarlet Envy. It was November 25th, 2015. Um, it was Thanksgiving Day weekend, which is also the weekend I came out to my parents four years prior. So okay. that is a very eventful weekend for me in life. Um, but I, what did I do? I did Nobody Asked Me, which is a song by Sky Ferreira. Okay. And I wore this slip that my friend let me borrow. And I had this huge hair that Dusty helped me tease. And I just like went out on stage and I, I had a blast. And I, I chewed every word because I was like, if there's one thing I'm gonna do because I don't know how to dance or walk in heels, I will know every word to my lip sync. And that as is like- As you the, should. As you should. And that is the one, if I had to give one tip to any drag queen and I've given tips to many a drag queen, I'm always like, know your fucking words. Know your words, know your inflections and know your breaths. Other, like, know everything else, of course, but if you know that, you'll keep your audience in because they'll yeah. be looking at your mouth the whole time. Who were some of the first people that helped you out in your drag journey? Um, so Dusty was huge. Dusty was a huge help for me. Um, she gave me advice that I will, that I still use to this day about, um, you know, how to make mixes, what to do for that, um, you know, what to wear, like how to look, what to look for. So she's been a huge, huge inspiration for me. Um, who else has been a huge inspiration for me? Well, who's helped me on my drag journey? I would say <laughs> I moved out to Massachusetts for two years and um, I became friends with this drag queen in Massachusetts named Box of Vine. Mm -hmm. And she is such a wonderful, unique person. I love her so much. And she has helped me with, um, Cause she she's such a seamstress and creates, right. she always creates her looks and she's she's so um ingenuitive with it because she's like oh i want to make something that looks like that i'm gonna take these four patterns and piece them together and like cut this up and glue these patterns together and do this and she's like very ingenuitive with how she makes her drag so it's really helped me look at um assembling outfits a different yeah. way and i think helped me not escape from but uh, move my brain away from that off the rack drag look and sure. more into what a full ensemble can look like. Um, yeah, I would say those are two really big ones that have helped me. But I mean, so much of it has just been like me like pushing and thinking and like, I mean, YouTubing and <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just, like seeing what it is. Well, let, let's talk about your um, little stint up in the Berkshires. <gasps> yeah. Um, so you went obviously up there for people who don't know for theater mm -hmm. to do to, I did. To, to work for a company. Mm -hmm. I worked. I was at um, 
I worked at, in theater education with the community of the Berkshires at Barrington Stage Company. But while you were there, you created a little pageant. I did. The MX No Good Berkshire Drag Pageant. Yes, yes. The Because, because yeah. if you can't have your name attached to it, is it even yours? <laughs> right? I was like, what can I do? And also, I was like, if I'm Nancy No Good, if I give someone a title of No Good, I love that. I yeah. think that's hysterical. So, so talk about it a little bit. How did it come to be? So, um, I was living in the Berkshire. I, so, I had barely been doing drag, not even for a full year at this point, um, when I interviewed and I applied. I was recommended through a friend, a close friend who I met at Stage Door Manor, who was working there, who, ref who recommended me and I applied and I got the job. Um, because one of my theater day jobs was stage management. That was mm -hmm. one of the ways I was making money in the city. So I, I was like, you know what? Why don't I see how I can use this elsewhere? Let's just see what happens. And yeah. I, you know, and I, I was so nervous about it. I actually had a good talk with, um, with Mark, Dusty's now husband, yes. um, about it. And he was like, um, he was like, you know what? Do it. Just do it and see what happens. And I was like, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So I did. And I moved out there and there's not that there's no drag, but there's no, the Berkshires is not like hustle bustle. And so there's no really nightlife scene. Sure. So there are Queens, but it's, it's, um, it's kind of few and far between if a, if a queen wants to make a show happen, it, there might be pop-ups every now and then, but for the most part, people go to Albany. Right. And so I was like, I want to make drag happen. I want to do something out here. Like, I don't have a car and I'm living in the mountains. Like, what do I do? And um, I have met this uh, duo, um, Oscar and Mike, who worked for this event planning company. And they were um, this wonderful couple who held a big pride festival every year, mm -hmm. a big pride like party. And I had, through a friend, gotten booked for them for one of the prides. And so we just became friends and I was talking to them and they were also like, we should do more drag because it's, it's really fun and why not? People want it. And so there, because in, there is a really strong community of queer people in the Berkshires, really resilient community um, that just echoes how resilient the entire community is out yeah. there. And so I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. So we did it. We we're like, let's make it a pageant. Let's make it a competition. Um, we worked to get sponsorships. We, um, you know, we brought in people and, my it's morphed over time you know trying to find its footing we've only been doing it for three years now mm -hmm. um but i think this most this most recent year was the strongest in really finding people in the berkshires and surrounding areas to you know see what do what they do and see what they can create and see how they can be their own mixed no good and you know i don't have much at all pageant experience right but i um wanted to create something that could show the berkshires what drag can be and and what and all of the different things that drag can be so we've had drag kings we've had non-binary drag performers you know i wanted to create something that shows off and expresses any and all forms of drag so and that's it and we've had three years we've had three excellent winners and i have some ideas of how I want to expand it throughout the year. Obviously, quarantine has like cut that and has made me go back to the drawing board a little bit. But 
we're not going to stop. So, yeah. no. We, are you planning on a 2021 event or? I am. I am planning on a 2021 Mix No Good. Um, still figuring out how that will happen because I, I, I saw on the, well, I saw for Massachusetts, they allow outdoor performances. Sure. Um, obviously, another thing that, another reason we hosted the Mix No Good pageant when we did, we hosted it every February. And that was also because in the winter in the Berkshires, there is nothing to do. The Berkshires yes. is very much a touristy season kind of thing so yeah. a lot of the stuff will happen in the summertime a lot of amazing stuff but in the winter it's what can we do so i don't know what that's going to look like i don't know if it's going to be online i don't know if it's going to be in person i don't know if it's in person if we would even get anyone right. so i'm still trying to assess what that could look like what can i do in the meantime before then to maybe drum up some um names but what I do know is that there are people who will be looking forward to it. When I went to it this past, this past February, as a good host, I you know was walking around to the crowd and I was talking to everyone. And a, a number of couples, I spoke to a number of gay couples and even just people, not even couples, I spoke to were like, this is our February thing. We come to this, we've been coming to this for the past three years and we look forward to it. And, I, it, and it, it definitely, I didn't, not that I, I, yeah, I didn't expect it. I was really, really humbled and grateful for that. And I was like, fuck yeah, like that's awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to experience drag with you. Thank you for coming every year and for making this something you look forward to every winter. So I'm like, how can I continue that this year? How can I give that to people who want that? And I'm, I'm wondering like, Quarantine has sucked and no one knows what it's going to be in the winter, but we do have an idea that it's going to suck dicks. So like, how can I have fun and how exactly. can I, how can I do something? So that's, what's keeping me going. Yeah. Well, if, if there's an opportunity to do a live performance in New York city again soon, who is on your dream list of New York city performers that you've yet to work with that you want to work with? Oh my God. That I've yet to work with. Oh my yeah. God. So I, my dream, probably my dream um, drag, one of my dream drag role models that I would love to work with is Miss Malice, who is a Brooklyn drag queen. She is part of the Nightgowns team. And mm -hmm. then she also produces her own show, Switch and Play. Um, so Miss Malice would be a drag queen. I would absolutely love to work with. I have yet to work with her. Um, also in the switch and play team, there's this drag queen named Pearl Harbor, which I almost worked with during quarantine, but I didn't get the chance to. I think she is so stunning. I would love to work with her. Um, oh my gosh, who else? Wait, let me think about this. This is so exciting. Um, oh my God, she, uh, she's not really a New York queen anymore, but she, there's this queen, cause she moved to California, I think, but there's this queen named Shanita Bump and mm -hmm. she is this, she is like, she needs to be on Dragula like that. Like she goes so far and is so just fun. Yeah. I would love to see her. I would love to work with her. Um, oh my God. Who else? Who else? Who else? Um, wait, don't, don't stop me yet. Um, 
I would say I'm giving so much love to Brooklyn. Are there any New York or Manhattan Queens? There are Manhattan Queens. I mean, I love seeing Manhattan Queens. What about Queens. Astoria? Ah! <laughs> well, I'm trying to think. Who are my Astoria girls? I, I mean, I love working with. Honestly, I would love to work with Audrey Phoenix again. Um, I have loved working with her. Um, but we obviously we haven't worked in forever just with quarantine and everything. Who else? You're welcome for making that connection for the two of you. Yeah, that's true. That's you. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say that would be of Queens that I haven't worked with, that I want to work with. Those would be my list yeah. of girls. That would be my cast. So you're about to come for my gig as a podcast host of the new show, Why Two Gay Reruns. Oh, yeah. Tell us about the show, how did it come to be, and why podcasting? Right. So, um, I am, I would say I'm a Jill of some trades. Okay. <laughs> I have done a few things in my time in New York City, and one of them is start a production company um, with my friends for digital film and media um, called Orphans Productions. And we have been, we've been active since 2017, but... Um, obviously we've been a little less active and have been trying to think of how can we pivot in quarantine. So podcasting was something that we were thinking of. We've had a few ideas. Also, um, my friend, another drag queen, Vivian Gabor, um, came to me and was like, I have this idea for a podcast. Would you want to do it with me because of what I want to do for the first season? And she told me about it and I was like, yes, that is exactly what we should do. That sounds like fun. So the idea of the show is... Um, Vivian had a similar upbringing of mine where it was very, very um, sheltered from pop culture. Mm -hmm. So she hadn't seen a lot of 90s television shows. So every season we look at a 90s cult classic. Um, I think we're geared, we're sticking in like the supernaturally kind of realm, not the TV show, but like the idea. And um, every season we'll look at a, a show and she'll look at the show with someone who is a a huge fan of that show or basically an expert as much as a fan can be. So for season one, for Y2 gay reruns, we, um, I am a Twin Peaks expert um, as that is my favorite show. And I literally create drag and have gotten paid to do drag for Twin Peaks. So um, she and I are for season one, we are looking at seasons one and two of Twin Peaks and Fire Walk With Me, the movie that was released mm -hmm. right after season two. And yeah, it's it's a really exciting podcast. We're releasing it September 12th is the very first episode. Um, and trailer's coming out soon. So please stay tuned for that like any day now, as soon as I figure out how the podcasting hosting works. And we're going to um, really just go through the seasons for this one where, you know, I think we're still looking at what formatting works best for us. But mm -hmm. I think we've found a groove that's really exciting. And just go through it as two queens and as um, looking at it, it's exciting to look at shows from the early 90s with a 2020 lens as a sure. queer person, as just a person in America in 2020. It's very interesting to see what, why these shows are still yeah. resonating today. Um, yeah, and it's fun. And yeah. we like, we're making Twin Peaks inspired looks and I will do that every day of my life. I love it. Well, so. I'll, have to, I'll have to have you on my new segment, um, uh, Obsession Confessions. Oh my gosh. I have people who are obsessed with something 
try to swing the audience into being obsessed with it as well. Oh. The, the first one I'll be doing um, is Buffy with Arya Derchi and uh, Pussy Willow, who are obsessed with Buffy. So, yeah. So we'll, we'll, gonna... we'll, we'll add Twin Peaks to the list. Yes, please. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to listen to that because I... Um... I have never seen Buffy, yeah. and so, and obviously, ever, so many people I know love it, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, sure, sure, I'll get to it, blah, 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 Yeah, blah. I've watched three episodes so far in preparation for this podcast, and I'm like, what the fuck is this <laughs> shit, and how did it get on television? <laughs> That's Sarah Michelle Gellar, right? It, it sure the hell is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Oh, my God. So, obviously, we know why Twin Peaks, to start this off, because you're a super fan, Vivian is unfamiliar with the show, and it's a good way to merge the two. Mm-hmm. How did you become obsessed with Twin Peaks? I, on it, well, I really like David Lynch, and I had sure. seen Eraserhead. Um, I had seen Eraserhead in high school. Was that high school? Like, early college, maybe? I saw Eraserhead, and I, I'm trying to... Oh, and I saw... I saw In high school, I saw Eraserhead, Mulholland Drive, and Inland Empire. Okay. And, yeah. um... Which is a very um, roller coaster trajectory <laughs> of absurdism, sure. and doesn't make sense. But I was upset. I loved them all. I loved them all so much. Now, now were you but... sober when you watched all of these? Completely. Absolutely completely. <laughs> I was sober, and I was freaked the fuck out out i mean yeah i i and it just i mean it just gives me other ideas like thinking about the emotions i felt from those and i was like how can i put that in drag anyway but i was so i was so inspired by david lynch as an artist but i had never seen twin peaks and then was it i was in the city at this point i had just moved to the city and um my roommate had netflix at the time and I was just watching Netflix on the TV. And I was like, I want to watch Twin Peaks. And so I did. And go. that's it. And I was like, holy shit, this show's fucking brilliant. And I just slid. It was a, it was a very, not slow descent, but a very quick and fast and furious descent yeah. into madness. Yeah. Because it's one of those shows that you have to watch. You have to watch. pay attention to. Yes. Because I tried, I think I, I think I got through the first season and then started the second season then i got busy with something but i was mm-hmm. like i had it more on the ba- in the background i was like wait what how mm-hmm. do we get from here to here and mm-hmm. why is there a racist character like what is going on yes. with this show you're like what is going on like wh- why is this happening who is this person and then these reveals happen and you're like how did that get there and you yeah. especially when you research the show and see what was happening network wise sure and why the decisions were made that they were during season two because it is absolutely ridiculous and then and and so you just kind of like careen down this roller coaster of what season two is and honestly i know so many people that i've talked to about twin peaks who around halfway through season two kind of peter off yes and because it gets weird it gets weird weird. it takes a it takes a whole and it's already weird but it gets weird and you're like how did how can it get weird from here and it does and you're like what and this was on primetime television. Yeah. And so, yeah, and you just got to keep watching. And it, but it, it all fits so perfectly in that world. And um, yeah, and then you just watch the movie Fire Walk With Me, which has also its own like weirdness because it's the, it's the, it's the last week of Laura Palmer's life is the idea behind Fire Walk With Me. Yeah. And then 
so yeah, you watch all of that, and then you watch season three of Twin Peaks, The Return, that was on Showtime, which, girlfriend, if you ever get to the point in your life where you watch season three of Twin Peaks, please tell me. It is so good, and it is insane. But then, to know the lore, there are all these books that have come out. There are, there, I mean, the, the lore is huge and expansive. Yeah. And it is, it is just constantly, I mean, as I'm watching these episodes with Vivian right now, of season one and season two, I haven't watched these first two seasons so succinctly in a long time. Mm -hmm. So to rewatch it like this after having like taken in all of this knowledge of the movie and season three and blah, 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 and seeing all of these things, I'm like, oh shit, like that makes sense because they're gonna talk about that here, but it it relates to something that happens in season three and that's connected to this. And like, I mean, it's, it is, I also love a good conspiracy and I love the ridiculous, I love the ridiculous ways that people's minds will stretch to connect point A and point B, like conspiracy theories. And it's almost, it almost feels like that, the wild connections that are all made. And I just eat that shit up. I think it's amazing. Now you were a part of the Miss Twin Peaks pageant at Mm -hmm. Joe's Pub. Yes! I think you were robbed, but whatever. That's a different, that's another story. But how did you get involved with that? And what was that experience like? Yeah, so I um, I love Twin Peaks so absolutely much. And I, um, I love the Pink Room Burlesque, who is the uh, Twin Peaks burlesque uh, troupe um, mm-hmm. in New York City. And who is, David Lynch is a fan of the group, it's, which is pretty wild. Um, they've been going on for, I think, 10 years, nine, 10 years. And um, so a good friend of mine is Bunny Buxom, uh, this burlesque performer in New York City. Um, and she is also part of the Pink Room, a huge Twin Peaks fan. And she saw my performance that I did, a uh, Twin Peaks performance that I did at the Mixed Nobody pageant in um, Greenpoint. And she saw me perform that and she was like, was it there or was it somewhere else? I did it somewhere else too. Um, this this uh, Laura Palmer number I have. And she saw it and she was like, you have to take this to Francine. She would love to incorporate it. And so Francine, who is uh, Francine the Lucid Dream is a the burlesque performer who runs Pink Room. Mm-hmm. She, um, she was recommended to me by Bunny and Bunny was like, Nancy has this amazing Laura Palmer number. You should bring it in. So I did a show for them. Um, I did some other stuff. And then she was like, do you want to compete in my Miss Twin Peaks pageant in Joe's Pub? And I'm looking for performance for it. And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, I do, yes. And it's and it's it's an annual show at Joe's Pub that the Pink Room does, and it sells out. And I was like, holy shit, this is my, I mean, I didn't anticipate Joe's Pub on my list of things that I would get to do in drag. And I'm doing the most outrageous number that I've created in drag. And I, it, it was truly a whole nother world. And it was right before the shutdown. Right. So you just got it in. I just got it in. And then boom, it was all, it was all shut down after that. That's it. It was too good. It shut everything down. It was too good. That's what it was. Yeah. Well, as a Twin Peaks superstan, we're going to test your knowledge of the cult classic series. Oh, my God. If oh, no. you get the majority of the questions correct, you win the prize of a log. <laughs> if you Thank lose, God. you have to share your first impressions of a certain podcast host you may or may not have chatted with on an app a few years back. 
Oh my god. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Question number one. What is the name of the casino owned by Horn? One-Eyed Jacks. Who was the series composer? I'm so nervous. Angelo... Uh, gr Glementi, Gr Maglementi, however he says, ah, how do you say his last name? Angelo no. Baldimenti. Baldimenti, that's it, Baldimenti. Okay, we'll give you half a point there. You got the <sighs> first name. Thank you. What was Twin Peaks population as printed on the Welcome to Twin Peaks sign? Oh, fuck. 12,700? No, 51,201. Damn it! I always remember, it's, it's like much bigger than you think it right, is. It's, and a, you're it's like... got an extra one at the end. Ah, shit. Betty Briggs wore what kind of button on her blazer to Laura Palmer's funeral? Oh my god! Um... Oh, fuck. Uh... I can see it. Oh my god, I feel like this is a trick question. No! Is it like a brooch? What is it? It's a smiley face. Ah, shit. Finally, last question. This is it. This is the this is the killer here. Killer. What character inspired David Lynch's Mulholland Drive? Um, shit, 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 shit. I just looked this up. Uh. uh wait, wait. Um. Uh, oh my God, I'm an idiot. What character is that? Laura Palmer. Incorrect. Audrey Donna Horn. Hayward. Audrey uh, Horn. Damn it. It makes sense. Like, right. Right. Ah, oh, shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, you lost there. No. <laughs> no. Oh, those are tough. Those are tough. I was well. That was the thing. Is like when I was looking at questions last night. I was like, I don't want to be super easy. I gave you like one easy question there in the start, yes. but I was like, Nancy Nogood no, probably knows everything. You steered me. You steered me. You you like you gave me the first question. I was like, oh, pff, I've got this. And then you're like, what is blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no. Damn it. Audrey Horn. I knew that. I knew that. Anyway. Yeah. Well, you're, you're a loser. Right. I mean, you, you can give like half impression. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Wait. So what is this impression? What am I doing? No, no. The first impression um, of, of this of a certain podcast host you chatted with on a um, ah, on an app. Ah, ah, ah. Um, what was the first impression? Charming. Charming, I like that. Charming. No, no one ever calls me charming. I like that. <laughs> Usually it's asshole. <laughs> well, you have to have some sort of charm. That's what, keep, that's that's what true, that's true. keeps people going. Yeah. We're going to play this or that. I'm going to give you two options, and you're going to pick the one you prefer. Okay. We're going to start off with beach or pool. Uh, Beach. Summer or fall? Fall. Brunch or dinner? Brunch. Mimosa or Bloody Mary? Bloody Mary. Every time. All day. Pancakes or French toast? Pancakes. Baked potato or French fries? Baked potato. TV or movie? Movie. Digimon or Yu-Gi-Oh? Digimon. Every single day of my life. Left side of the bed or right side of the bed? Left side of the bed. E yes. Left side of the bed. <laughs> Vanilla or Kinky? Kinky. I'm no fool. <laughs> tattoos or piercings? Oh, shit. Tattoos. Good or bad? Bad. 
There you go. No, That's this or that. no good. Oh. <laughs> I want to go behind the music a little bit. Okay. What is your signature number and how did it become your signature number? Yeah. So this is a great question, actually. So I would say if it didn't take so much setup and work, I would say my Twin Peaks number is my signature number, um, but it takes up so much setup and work and I'm just too lazy. So my, <laughs> my signature number, oh shit, I have, I have to choose. I, I feel like I have two. Cause I have one number that's like a big crowd pleaser. And then another number that's like a, um, it's like, not when you think you're losing your crowd, but I'm like, what's a song I can throw in there that I know people are going to love and sure. laugh to. Um, okay. No, I'll say my signature number currently right now is a good crowd pleaser. And it's a, uh, mix that I have that starts with call me maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into the monologue for the nights, the, the night the lights went out in Georgia. Yes. Yes. Designing women. And then it ends with see you again by Miley Cyrus. Okay. And it is so fun and so outrageous. And it, it has a through line. It has a story. Um, the reason it, I became my number was because I wanted to use that monologue because I've seen it before in drag shows. It's very often used with by drag queens. Yeah. And I um, obviously wanted to make it my own. I wanted to do it with numbers that I haven't necessarily seen before. Um, and I knew I wanted it to hit hard because going back to... Um, what I was saying before with knowing your inflections and your breaths and your words when you are Mm -hmm. a drag queen, um, that's something I pride myself on and something I, I would consider a strength of mine. So when I create numbers, I want to, you know, utilize my strengths. So I love like giving you a full lip synca and I just want to like, I just want to like chew my words and chew my speech and really give that to the crowd. And, um, yeah, and so that's why that one's such a fun number. And I think I love doing that one at brunches because Call Me Maybe starts. And if I'm at, I, before the apocalypse and the shutdown happened, I was doing a brunch at the Liberty in Midtown. And you would have these like, these like girls come in or whatever. And they would just be like, yes, Carly Rae Jepsen. And then they wouldn't necessarily know what the monologue was from Designing Women, but sure. they would still watch it and I would still give it to them. So by the end, they were invested and they were in it because it's written so wonderfully. Right. And then it goes straight into Miley Cyrus. And then again, it's just a big song for people to bop to. So it's just a fun number. And it, it's, it's, it, I think for me, it is, um, I don't have many numbers like this, um, but it's, I want to create num- more numbers like this that really show you a good drag show, a good drag number, because it's fun, it tells a story, it's campy, and it's a good time. And, you, yeah. and you're going to have fun either performing it or watching it. So, yeah, and that's my signature number, and I'll do it till the cows come home. Now, when you create your mixes, what comes first, the song or the spoken word? Or the um, theme? I would say the theme uh, for the most part. One of the things when I started um, drag, when I, uh, when Dusty was helping me with it when I was really starting, is she would always tell me, you're, you're, if you do a mix, do a mix, but make it tell a story. It's like musical theater. Mm-hmm. I was like, work, great. Um, so, so that's kind of, that's been one of the things that I always, 
always refer back to when I create a mix is I'm like, what is the story I'm trying to tell? And, or what is the message I'm trying to uh, tell? Right. So, um, so yeah, when I create mixes, that's kind of what I start with. And then I, I think about what are some songs that I like. Um, I always try to keep it high energy. If I do something that isn't high energy, I want to make sure that it is balanced with humor mm -hmm. because um, I think it is so easy to park and bark and it is so easy to, you know, let the crowd feel your, like feel your oats in front of a crowd, but they yeah. might not necessarily feel any of those oats. So I want to make sure that the crowd is invested. So I give high energy. Um, and then from there, I start to investigate what I have. I'm always taking notes of like, oh, I really like this, this monologue. I like this meme. I like this, this collection of, of whatever this um, speech is. Is it from something from comedy? Is it from a movie? How can I, I always try to take as many notes of like that as possible, just so I have a bank and I don't exhaust my brain trying to remember sure. it all. Um, and yeah, and then I go back to those notes. Is there anything there I can pull? What can I quickly YouTube? Like, what can I find and really finesse to create the number I want to create? If you ever, listeners, if you ever want to find a queen who knows their drag numbers and knows how to create and knows how to really, like, create a mix, um, there's a Brooklyn queen named Junior Mint, and she's also brilliant. I love working with her. Um, and she has the, her numbers are so fucking meticulously put together and create such brilliant performances. So absolutely. Yeah. That's what I go for. Is there a song or a number of yours that you, that you wish people would stop requesting? No, because I love it when they request things from me. No. Um, no, no, because I really, I, not yet, not yet, because I don't think I've heard, <laughs> no, they don't request enough. No, I just don't think, um, I've, I've grown tired of any of my numbers yet, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely, after I do a number, I don't want to think about that number for like a week. <laughs> mm -hmm. If I have the, if I have the, you know, thinking pre-COVID, if I have the gracious time to, you know, afford to not have another drag gig for another week or something like that. Um, I don't want to think about that number. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely love all my numbers still. Are you I'm excited for, for all the audiences to have, uh, to request WAP for you? Oh my God. I have some ideas of how I want to use WAP because I think it's <laughs> such a fucking brilliant song. I mean, I'm sure you've mastered the choreography by now, right? Oh my gosh. I know every single word. I've mastered that choreography. I have, I, my roommate and I have broken up, broken, broken up, broken onto our rooftop. Uh -huh. And so we have, yeah, we've gotten it down. We've got it down. <laughs> I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. <laughs> so we're going to play the cameo game show. If you're not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price. But each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess who costs more. Oh, that's hysterical. And we're going to go in the world of drag race. Or oh drag. my god. So we're going to start off with Crystal Method or Crystal. Crystal Method. Yep, Crystal Method is $100. Crystal is 35 Next is Nina West or Sugar Cane. 
Nina West. Nina West is 75. Sugar is 60. And I love all these queens. I'm not saying one queen is worth more than another. <laughs> I love you all. Okay, Next is Honey Davenport or Jiggly Caliente. Jiggly. That's correct. Jiggly is 50. Honey is 25. Huh. How Jiggly is able to do cameos right now is a wonder to me, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. What? Is she, is she, isn't she busy? Isn't she doing something? Yeah, I don't maybe. know. Next, we have <laughs> Jackie Cox or Aiden Zane. Oh, um, Jackie Cox. Yep, $49. Aiden Zane is 40 Next is Blue Hydrangea or Alona Verley. Alona Verley. No, Ooh, Blue Hydrangea damn. is 35 Alona is 27 Oh, uh, Alona, you are worth so much more than that. <laughs> oh, I loved her. Yeah, next is Abora or Ursula Major. Abora. Abora is 30. Ursula is 45. Oh, shit. Abora, yeah. you're only 30? Come on, girl. I feel and like Abora's worth so Finally, that. how much can you get a Reefy Royalty cameo for? <laughs> um, with all respect to Reefy Royalty, $35. She's only $10. Ah! <laughs> I was being generous. Listeners, go get a Reefy Royalty cameo now while you can. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. What, um, I don't know what you want Reefy to say to you, but go for it. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. No, I tried to get a cameo. Watching season 12 of Drag Race, my roommates and I, because it was right at the start of quarantine, and my roommates and I were glued to the TV, and we loved Jada from day one, right? Yeah. We loved Jada from day one. And my one of my roommates, her birthday was right after Drag Race ended. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, as soon as Jada opened her cameo, I was like, I'm going to get her a birthday cameo. I'm going to get her a birthday cameo. And it was like $40 when she first started. And I was like, great, easy. I'll put down 40 It's fine. And then I like just didn't do it. And then the final week of Drag Race, I was like, I need to get, cam- I need to get Jada's cameo. And so the day of the finale... I was like, oh, I'll just do it now. And I booked it and it was 75 and it didn't. And I was like, oh, because I bet she's going to go up because I hope she wins. And then she won. And I was like, oh, shit. And she got overloaded with cameos and my cameo expired because so many people request. And honest, like I have no qualms about it. She is an unbelievable drag queen. And I am so happy for her to have this kind of problem where so many people were like you are amazing i want to book you yeah so she upped her booking by a ton after that and it was just out of my price range at that point so i was like sorry yeah how much would a nancy no good cameo go for um a sensible 74 no um i would give my cameo make my cameo 15 why not okay all right nice yeah. Yeah, 15. How far will you go in drag? Like in the future, like how far will I go in the future or how far will I, will I go to do something in drag? That one. (laughs) I don't want to have sex in drag. I don't want to have sex in drag. I just, it's too much stuff. I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm corseted, I'm padded, I'm polished i'm haired i'm like blah, 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 blah. too much makeup like my eyelashes girl those are gonna fall off instantly when i have sex <laughs> i'm not worried i don't want i don't want my eyelashes to be on someone's dick 
Um, but I would 100% be in a porn and drag. Okay. But I wouldn't have sex, though. I would want to be like the mom is like, okay, kids, have fun. I'm going to school. And it's like, you know, like the mom or like the, her son and like his like neighbor or something like that or whatever. Okay. All right. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'll do something like that. In the age of cancel culture, how can artists protect themselves? And when is it too much to cancel somebody? Mm. Yeah, right. That is the talk. I mean, that's the block talk. Ha! Mm-hmm. Ha, ha, ha. Um, I mean, cancel culture has had good come out of it, <laughs> which is, a, I think, a way to... Um, sentence but i i think that we all obviously learn sure and we have all very quickly all progressed in a society that has advanced technologically very very quickly and we all have we all put our lives on the internet and if it's on the internet anyone in the world can see it it doesn't matter how how well hidden you think it is girl there is a way to see it and there's a way that people can find it yeah and i think that has led to very quick judgments and it it what what cancel culture can very easily do is make the world look at black and white when they're when the world is not black and white when the world is very 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 gray and that is not to excuse anything that happens or to excuse anyone but i think it is important that we um we understand that we understand that that no one's perfect (laughs) no one knows the best way to handle anything Mm -hmm. and we have to respect when people grow i think it goes with almost like that kind of meeting your heroes thing like don't meet your heroes you know and i feel like when you have the internet when you have when you have the internet you don't need to meet your heroes because they're right directly in front of your face and you know everything about them so you have to really you know you have to uh, people are people and you have to be kind to people Obviously, sure. people can do shit that is very wrong and that is morally wrong and that is morally um, um, inapprehensible. But you have to you have to be kind to people. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so I always I always try to when some sort of cancel party, cancel culture moment happens, I always try to look at it from that perspective mm-hmm. um, and and go from there. I mean, I, I, I just want to know everything is, I, I want to know as much as I can about a topic. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I want to know as much as I can about a topic. I want to know as much as I can about a person. Um, and I want to not judge the person based on one particular action, obviously, unless it's like very, very serious. Right. Um. And I want to, I want to give that person humanity. Yeah. You know? Do you think it's fair yeah. to cancel someone who's associated with the canceled? Uh, no. Well, no, because 
why why is that person associated with the canceled? Are they associated with them because they like are are attributing to that? Like, I think another thing to look at is why is that person canceled? Is sure. that um, how is that the the reason that person is canceled? How is that in relation to the person who is associated with that canceled person? If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and like what has that person who is associating with the canceled person what is the conversation that they've had with that canceled person they don't owe you that conversation you know like they they don't owe you any reason as to why they attribute to that canceled person it could be something you have no idea of sure. and i think that i think that that is something to think about i think another thing too cancel culture makes things so um uh, makes mountains on a molehills and really takes something that is very small and blows it up very big. Sure. And, and it's like, I don't want to waste my breath canceling that person when there are people dying from COVID-19, when there are kids in like in cages at the border, like when, when there are queer people in the South that don't have families like there like, there there are so many things in our world that are that we should look at and that we should we should work towards fixing that are more important than what someone says online yeah right and and especially if that person makes amends like girl like it's just it's you know everything that's going on in that person's life but it's just the internet like I don't, I, that doesn't, I mean, obviously the internet has weight to it, but sure. I, I just think that like Kim, people are dying. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I just feel like I want to say that to people and I want to be like, you have to be, you have to, you have to have that sense moving forward and you have to, and you have to, yeah, you have to do that. I mean, and, and yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, especially working with kids in my day job, um, I'm working with young people. I've been working directly with young people for a very long time now. And I am so fascinated because I didn't have a cell phone until college. Or, I mean, I had a cell phone, but I didn't, I wasn't able to text or go online mm -hmm. with this. I wasn't able to text until college. I didn't have a smartphone until a year after I lived in New York City. So, like, I... I am so interested in this world of having every single app when you're 12. And I am so interested in how all of the mistakes that we all made as kids, they're making online. Right. And I, I'm like, oh girl, like there's some learning curves that you are going to learn. Especially I'm a, I'm a assigned male at birth white person. So I have so much privilege and that I had growing up regardless of my upbringing. I grew up middle class. There are so many things that I had as privilege that I may, I learned a lot of things and I had to learn about the world and I had to learn about who I am as a person moving through the world with the privilege that I have. And I'm still learning, especially this year, I'm still learning and knowing and, and knowing as a white drag queen, knowing how, what that privilege is in the world of the drag community. And, and there are so many things that I've learned that, so much stupid shit I did that like I am so glad no one knows about it because <laughs> holy shit I would it just like because like, you say things because you're an idiot because you're 12 right and these kids who say it on snapchat and it is there forever 
I'm like, yikes, girl. That is a big old yikes. Yeah. So, you know, I just think that looking at it like that, like you have to be careful and you have to, you have to look at someone as a whole and you have to um, look at their whole being and really know who they are and sure. make your decision from there. And if you make your decision from there and you still think that they need to be canceled, then you've said your piece. And I have to respect that. I'm not going to, and I'm not going to fight that in any way because you've, you've said your piece and you've made your choice and you've done your research and you've made your decision and that's good for you. How important is social media in the drag scene today? Oh my God, it is too important. I want to get rid of my Facebook so badly. I'm trying to find ways to like deactivate my Facebook and like just operate my page. Like I made a Nancy No Good page like maybe a year ago, uh, two years ago, just because I was like, I should have this as an avenue to market myself. Right. And like, I'm thinking Instagram, I like started with TikTok, but then I got exhausted and was like, I have to continue. I have to make videos now. Like, I'm just like, oh my God. And especially now because of everything and because of um, uh, no performances in person, we have to do everything online. So yeah. it's like, it is even more so important. I mean, it's also fun. I love curating my Instagram profile feed. I, I love the artistry that goes in that kind of digital artistry. Sure. I think that's fun. I like um, making quips on Twitter. I think one-liners are really fucking hysterical. And so I love Twitter for that reason. Um, so there are definitely reasons to have social media and social media for any business is really advantageous and drag even more so. Absolutely. We're going to play everyone's favorite game. It's called Tea Time. Great. You're going to spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters, colleagues, friends, people you've stayed at sh sh shared the stage <laughs> with, people you may have only talked to for five minutes. Who knows? Oh, my but God. You got a story? Feel free to share it. If you want to just say you love them, you can do that, too. But it's up to you. But let's you know. spill tea. We're going to start off with Audrey Phoenix. Audrey! Ah! Oh my God, do I have a story about Audrey? Fuck, I don't, oh shit. I'm trying to think of all just like the dish that we've talked about. Um, damn, I don't know if I have a good story about Audrey just cause it's been 20 years since I've worked with her. But I mean, she is so funny. I think she gets, I say this with all level of respect, she and I love working with her because she understands how fun it is to be messy and mm -hmm. how to just to make a stupid messy number. And I was like, oh girl, you like that. You like being messy and dumb like I do. And I was like, okay, we're gonna hang out. So that's why I love her. And she just makes the most ridiculous numbers. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she, you know, she's not afraid to um, speak her mind. She is not afraid to speak her mind, girl. And I appreciate that. And I respect that from her. So yeah. Next, next up is Coco Taylor. Coco Taylor. Ah! Oh my God, Coco Taylor! Well, I didn't, didn't know I wanted to like get my mom into drag, but there she is. <laughs> oh my God. No, I love Coco Taylor. I love her because she is... <laughs> she, she has been at some way for almost every single gig I've had at rock bar, she has been indirectly involved with or directly involved with in some way. So, um, every time that I have gotten ready at rock bar 
she's either been there getting ready right next to me or is like already ready and like handing out drink tickets or something. And she was like, I mean, I like, I remember I was like late. I was running late because of my day job. And she was like, honey, take a breath, breathe in. And when you breathe out, just say, it's only rock bar. <laughs> and I was like, it's only rock bar. Okay, thank you. And I just like finished my makeup in 10 minutes. And she was like, you're good girl. You're good girl. She is so kind. She is so um, level-headed. Um, and honestly, I've never seen that many variations of a Judy Jetson look. And I am inspired. <laughs> she just, she gets it. She's great. <laughs> Next up, Nicolonoscopy. Oh, Nicole and Oscopy. Oh my God. She apparently decided that New York was had enough Nicole and Oscopies and our colons were clear. So she like hitched up and left. Yeah, but she's doing it in Oregon now. But Dick will do that, you know? Dick will do that to you. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm certain her boyfriend is very nice out in Oregon. Um, she is, she is so, she's polished girl. I've never seen a girl gets so polished so quickly in in the drag world so either she killed some kids or she like gets it i don't know yeah. i'm still figuring out what her her secret maybe is. it could be a mix of both i don't know it could be a mix of both yeah i'm i'm gonna say it was a she went out in the woods with tituba is what i'm gonna say she probably <laughs> she did something like that that's my guess next up is xenon tv oh xenon tv <laughs> Oh, I love that. I, she, I've never known a girl to, just kidding. I was going to say I've never known a girl who's changed their drag name. I have known girls who changed their, their drag names. But this late in the game? But this late in the game? I mean, I was ready for like a, I, she's great. I love her. I love her. I love her. I think she's great. I was going to say like, um, are we going to have like a funeral or something? Like, damn. But. <laughs> I she's she's wonderful and honestly the move the the name that she changed to makes so much sense it it works with her look so much she actually before she moved to Colorado she had a gig around the corner from my apartment in Bushwick she had a bingo gig at this restaurant that's literally on my block and I was like I I've never had a drag queen have a gig so close to my apartment like mm -hmm. i can't not go like that would be just like that would just be rude of me if i just didn't go because <laughs> it's down the block from me and just like buy a drink and tip her some money and leave like come on so um so i went i went and i went so many times to her to her bingo gig before the shutdown happened it was probably started maybe six months before the shutdown happened mm -hmm. and we just became really close friends from that which was really exciting and um we've definitely lost touch a little bit just because you know COVID and she moved away but um she's so she's so fun and i really think this move was good for her and good for her drag and i really um we have a lot of similar ideas of of what drag can mean for a community. And mm -hmm. so I'm really excited to see where she goes with that in Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Next up is your co-host, Vivian Gabor. Ah, oh, Vivian Gabor. You know what? I'm glad that she has a podcast now because she has to talk somewhere. Okay. That's, that's my tea. That's my tea. I love Vivian. I'm saying that because I love her and she has a lot to say. And I, and I, res I, respect someone who isn't afraid to speak their mind going back to what i said about audrey mm -hmm. same idea um 
and I know that Vivian has has landed herself in deep water because of that. Um, anyone who has a Facebook knows that. Like that is not. Mm -hmm. I I don't know the whole story about everything. I will say that as well. I don't even know what I did. I got unfriended. I was Bruh. like, what did I do? I, it I didn't was, even comment on anything. It was a, it was a cataclysm. I'll say this. I, <laughs> but I and I don't know the total story, um, but I do know that every queen who was involved in the shenanigans of it all. I would say this. I would say we are in a very different world now than we were when the most recent situation happened. Right. Um, but I would also say that every queen who was involved deserves respect just as queens. Um, and like when it comes down to it, like Vivian and I were friends before that. And I've always respected her as a, as an artist because of how, um, hungry she is for her art mm -hmm. and how hungry she is to keep it going and to make it happen. She is such a, um, she's such a, a doer. She's, she's such a strong doer and I, and she's such an active doer with her drag. And that's why I respect her because it is fucking tough and you have to have someone who you have to be a doer and you have to, if you want to find any semblance of success with your drag, you have to push through a lot of hard work. Yeah. Which you know this. And so it's like, and so I respect that from her. And I think that that's great. And also, um, I think that she's grown into a lot of really great talents as a seamstress. She's created a lot of really good work there. Um, and working on this podcast has been a new side of her work in drag for her and in, in my work in drag for me. It's been really fun to to work with her in this way and, and to create the podcast that we're creating. Yeah. Yeah. Next up is another potentially polarizing name, Gina Tonic. Oh my God. I was ready. I was like, is Gina going to be the first one he says? Or is it going to be like, when is he going to say Gina? Um, oh my God, Gina, that... I'm surprised she doesn't have a podcast yet, if I'm going to be completely honest. But I, I, I also love Gina so much. Um, she, <laughs> she is another person who isn't afraid to speak her mind. I find myself magnetized towards these people, I guess. Um, and she also has she's she's seen success with her career um mm -hmm. she's seen a lot of su success with her career and she is um one of those ingenuitive queens who is um always looking for new avenues to create drag and to make drag happen um and so i was just thinking about this because i when i was living in the berkshires a year ago yesterday nope three years ago yesterday, <laughs> three years ago yesterday when I was living in the Berkshires, she came up and visited me and she and Gilda Wabbit, mm -hmm. uh, they came up for a weekend and we, it was, it was really lovely to see them because I had really not seen my city drag friends and, um, and just the two of them both are really, really good at creating, finding ways to make their drag work. Um, but I would really give that title to Gina. I've never seen I've never seen a queen so um, instigative in their in some new way to make this happen. She was the first queen I saw that did a digital that did it. I would say this: she's the first queen that I saw in quarantine that did a digital show that made a digital show start. Um, right? 
I think so. Yeah, she was starting, she did like a bingo thing. Um, but I mean, that was all of us. We were like, what can we do? What can we make this yeah. happen? But she, but she's so quick to be like, let's do it now. Let's make this happen. And she's also, she's also learned. And our friendship has grown in a way that we have learned what it means to be a friend to that person and what it means to be a friend to another queen and how to help them and how to be a good person that's there for someone. Um, and it's something that we've both learned. Um, at least I know that I've learned towards her and, and as a, and as a drag queen. And so it's been really great to, I don't know, grow up in this drag community, grow into this drag community with her. You know, I, I feel like I don't, I don't have that many drag friends. I don't have many, um, I never have in this, in the city. And that's been really tough for me having, I've ha I have a lot of friends. Um, but I don't have a lot of, <laughs> I have a lot of friends, but I don't have a lot of, um, friends in the drag community. I've gotten more, but it's, it's sometimes I would do that whole thing you do and you compare and you look and you're like, oh my gosh, there's that like circle of drag friends and they do all this stuff or like, oh my gosh, look at that drag family and like blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, and good for them. I'm in no way trying to shame them, obviously, but I have to remember that their journey is their journey and my journey is my own. And Gina Tonic has been someone who has um, who has wanted to remain a friend with me and has wanted to make sure that they are a good friend for me. And that mm -hmm. has meant a lot to me as a person and a lot to me as a drag queen. To have another person in my corner like Gina has been a huge help. So... Yeah, she's all right, I guess. <laughs> well, next time, <laughs> ne ne next time you see her, um, let her know I'll lo I'd love my bows back. <laughs> let her borrow it for uh, when she was doing the um, her the early stage of the paint and uh, sip. Oh, paint and sip. Oh, and, yeah, she sells me bows. Oh. I'll text her right after this. <laughs> <laughs> next up, we have Box of Vine. Ah, oh, Box of Vine. She's another queen that I'm going to put in that Gina camp, that she's a queen that I like. I I know that I can count on her as a friend, and she was my only, like, close drag friend in the Berkshires. And so we we work together. We have a lot of similar... We have the same love for horror movies and how that influences our drag. Um, it, I think it's funny to see how it influences our artistry in different ways, but we still go to similar source material. So mm -hmm. that's really fun. Um, I can't wait for her to be the first queen on Drag Race who's from a town that, well, I'd say the second or third queen from Drag Race has been from a town that no one's ever heard of because she will rep the Berkshires until the day she dies and like, good for her. She is making such a, she's in quarantine. She is finding ways to make a living in drag. She was doing it before and then the shutdown happened and then she had to go back to square one. And she just like, um, oh, I just got a notification about my haircut. Um, just like her, um, just like Gina, she is like, how can I make a living right now? And how yeah. can I make a drag? How can I do what I love and make a living right now? And I admire that shit. And I want to be surrounded by people who do that shit. Because I think yeah. that's really cool. Next up, Pyretta Victory. Oh my god, I want to work with Pioretta, but I don't have the budget to work with Pioretta. <laughs> oh my god, she is so... Good for her, though. Good for her. Um, 
as a queen, good for her. Um, as a person, good for them, because I know that she identifies as non-binary. Um, <laughs> they identify as non-binary outside of drag, to make that clear. Um, I really, really want to work with Pieretta so bad, because uh, through her friendship with Boxa was how she performed and competed as a queen in um, a pageant in the Berkshires that I judged. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, anyone who performs under Sasha Valor's good graces, I'm like, you are fucking great and I want to work with you. How can I work with all of you? You are brilliant. Um, any performer, any drag performer. Um, oh yeah, I've, I'll put Sasha on my list of queens that I want to work with. She's kind of like ethereal and transcends drag, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, she's also like an ultimate inspiration. So, um, Pieretta's so, like, so smart at realizing ideas. Absolutely. And and so smart at realizing what a look can be. And I really love that. And I really love, I, I mean, and I, you know, and I see her work, and I'm just like, I want to i want to emulate my art like that i want to realize ideas like how you realize ideas through costuming i want to do that through my drag and through my performance and through what numbers can i create what stories can i tell in that same type of way like that is so so talented i mean and hard work like you and that's another thing too is there's so much talent they have so much talent but they have but it is matched by the same level of hard work and dedication absolutely that is admirable yeah yeah next we have britta filter oh my god britta ah! wow britta i should have you know what i should have when i <laughs> i should have just not done drag and i should have instead of just signed up to be one of her assistants but um <laughs> i i really i have i have loved britta she gave me one of my first gigs in new york city like one of my first guesting spots um i've really um loved and respected her um i am yeah i wish her nothing but success with drag race um i don't know all of the tea that has happened that has led to any sort of brita tea um but i will say that i as an artist i think that she's really really um she's really really good at what she does and she is a fucking drag queen yeah and finally the woman who aborted you. <laughs> Dusty Ray Bottoms. Oh, Dusty. Oh, my God. I am so, 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 so grateful that she gave birth to me and that she washed me, flushed me down a toilet. I am so grateful for that because, you know, we, I, I um, learned so much from her in the amount, short amount of time that I was directly working with her. Um, and I still learn from her and I, you know, and I, I'm grateful that we had the time that we did and I'm grateful that any sort of, um, I guess parting of ways because however drag works in that way, but it, I'm just glad that it happened because it both needed to happen for the both of us. And it was, and it has given me such, um, 
a great starting point. Yeah. And and she has given me su a, a, such a great um, foundation for who I am as a drag per as a drag person as a drag artist. Um, and she's given me such a really wonderful foundation as a drag artist that I am so grateful I have. Um, and I mean, yeah, I also wish her nothing but success. She she is the reason her work as Dusty is the reason that I am a drag queen. Like like I said, like that pageantry of South Carolina was something I loved, but nothing I really found myself grappling towards. And it was really when I went to see queens like like Dusty in in 2013 and 2014 that I was like, I want to do this. Like that is something I want to do. Like your drag is fucking hysterical and funny and provocative and just wild and off the wall and the kind of shit that sticks with me. So that is something yeah. I want to do. So she has shown me what drag can be. And I just, I'm going to always hold that with me. I'm so grateful. I want to talk theater a little bit. Yes. What is the state of theater and will it ever be able to recover? Oh my God. I should have put whiskey in my coffee this morning. <laughs> oh my God. That is so real. I mean, The state of theater is nothing right now. Well, next to nothing, um, almost nothing. There are obviously a few productions going out here and here and there. Um, there's only a couple that have actually been equity approved. So right, it's right. So it's like I and I know of other productions that have happened. Like my roommate's friend was in a production in Florida of a musical, and. I was like, like mouth agape. I was like, that's that's not equity approved. Like that can't be. No, absolutely isn't. So it's like there's, but I don't knock the artists who are like, I need to make a living. So sure. it's because it's too early for us to have any semblance of a living um, in COVID it, with a career pivot in digital. I mean, I ugh, I I had a conversation with a white man. Um, and I put it in context of conservative white man um, who was very much, it was very much that idea of like, why don't you just get jobs? And I was other jobs. And I was like, I am not going to tell you why that's wrong because you don't know the damage. You don't, you don't know the damage. Like you can't make that statement and know exactly how many people are unemployed Right. Or just the breadth of the industry that is currently on its knees. And so, so I was very, um, uh, I was much more calm with my response. I was very much more like, well, let's look at the statistics. And then I like, I went that route. But um, I, I think theater will come back. Um, I think theater will come back and I think theater will be better. Um, I'm excited in some ways, again, that chronic optimism. I'm excited in some ways to see what happens to New York. Mm -hmm. Now I read this article this morning called um, New York isn't dead. It's just being reborn with artists. What was the title? It was much catchier than that. But basically it was, the article was talking about how all of these people are saying New York is finally dying. And New York isn't finally dying. It's just all of the rich uppities are leaving. Right. And they, New York to them is dying because they have a second home that they can go to. But the rest of us are still here because 
we don't have the affordability to have another home to go to. So just knock that one out of the way. We also don't have a, we also have invested our whole lives in creating this career exactly. and living this life. And so we're ready. We're ready to keep going and we're ready to move forward. And, and uh, this, I think really wonderful opportunities for artists are going to come out of this. Um, New York Theater Workshop is doing something really cool right now. I'm pretty sure I was reading this article last night that I think talked about it, how the, um, the New York Theater Workshop is using their budget to um, commission work from artists of like, what can it be kind of thing. Sure. And they're doing this more kind of exploratory season. Um, I don't think they've necessarily announced what they're... I, the article was in the Times about... Um, by now we would know what theater seasons are for like roundabout and you know et cetera and right. et cetera and so forth and the public um the public's is apparently coming out later this month um but you know i think it's this is exciting you know i work at currently my day job is at a off-broadway theater called theater for a new audience which is a shakespeare theater and um you know i'm currently on furlough just because we've we've had to cut all of our shows this year and I know that. And now it's almost like, am I going to have the affordability to stay at my job at Theater for New Audience? Or am I going to um, find a job elsewhere? Um, right. Am I going to have to find a job elsewhere? You know, like what is going to give me stability? I'm grateful for what this this has helped me have more some time to recollect and look at my drag and really refocus. How can I make that happen in the digital world? But I think, you know, we have to we have to make that shift at least on what it can be because we're not going to see full capacity in theaters until a vaccine has been distributed right equitably like not even you know like not even just like given out like we need it to be we need it to be like the fucking flu shot for it to work and for people to be safe again so you know what is that going to, I mean, what is that going to be next year, 2022, before we have something like that? And that is um, dismal to think about. Yeah. <laughs> but I think one thing that is exciting, well, one thing that is exciting right now is I'm moving to December. My lease is up in December, girl, and the prices for apartments are dropping like flies. Yes. And I am so grateful. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's going to be like that for a little bit. There's going to be a little bit of a dip and I'm going to, you know, I might have to make a pivot and I might have to find another day job that will keep me afloat next year. And, um, but I know that I can still work on drag. I still have my art. I still have my drag and we all still have our, have our art. It might not necessarily be what it was last year, what it was in February or the top of March, but we still have our art because we are still artists. Yeah. And so, and to keep that in mind is helping me. And that's what I've got going for me right now. Yeah. Who would you pick to do on Snatch Game? Oh my God. Okay. So this is who I picked to do on Snatch Game. I would pick uh, Nina Hagen. I would pick Dolly Parton. And I would pick, oh fuck, I had a third one. Fuck, I had a third one. Is it, um... I think it's Reba McIntyre. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, well, okay, I have four right now. I have four. I'm whittling it down. Um, but Nina Hagen, Dolly Parton, Reba McIntyre, and Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Okay. I like the that. Reason, I like that. 
Thank you. Because like Dolly, people get Dolly. Reba, I feel like unless you know country, you might not necessarily know who Reba McIntyre is or know her work. Elvira, I feel like she's very, I mean, she was a guest judge on Drag Race. Like she's very exactly. popular. Um, but Nina Hagen is the godmother of punk and her, her person is so outlandish but it would be like a little Edie moment. Like people wouldn't, it would be a history lesson. Sure. Yeah. I've also gotten compared to Nina Hagen um, by some, some older queens at performances, not to age any of my friends, but <laughs> I have gotten compared to Nina Hagen before. I have been told to use Nina Hagen as a performance um, source. So I've gone from her and she's absolutely ridiculous. So definitely that. You've fallen down a rabbit hole on YouTube. Okay. What are you watching videos of? Oh my god. If I've fallen down a rabbit hole on YouTube, I've either I'm either watching videos of cult conspiracies. Naturally. Um anime openings or Yeah, it's either cult conspiracies or anime openings. It's one of the two. Alright, and one of the two. What are some of your current jams? What music should the listeners be listening to? Oh my god, I'm going to, I just made a playlist. Oh my god. <laughs> I just made a playlist. <laughs> I've been, I mean, honestly, it's it was a slow start with Chromatica, but then I like, I think my need to just like be sweaty at 3am on a dance floor has just taken over my entire personage. Absolutely. So I've just been listening to like just good house music. So like any like 90s house music i made one of just like absolute classics so you have call on me by eric prids so listen to that listen to heaven by dj sammy you're an idiot if you don't know that song listen to nobody's supposed to be here by deborah cox listen to stranger in this house by tamia um another night this is your night by amber i mean there are so many songs um dive in the pool by barry harris and pepper mache i mean like, so many of the, these songs are, like, it's just classic gay songs. Oh, yeah. oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And another thing you should listen to, um, I think this is an Apple Music exclusive, so sorry if you have Spotify to the, you know, 80% of the people in the world that have Spotify and not Apple Music. <laughs> but um, uh, Lady Gaga released this thing called Gaga Radio, and yep. it was, like, it was, like, four episodes, four or five episodes of just hour-long house music mixes and interspersed in them all she interviews people like she interviews elton john she interviews blood pop pretty much everyone who was a part of her collaborations for chromatica but these all of these djs and producers created hour-long mixes without any commentary in them and they are so fucking good it is it is just solid house and there's like hours of it out, out there. So if you just look up like Gaga Radio, you can find these mixes. And girl, I have been, it has been getting me through it. Yeah. I am. So that's pretty much what I'm listening to. Those Gaga Radio mixes. All right. Well, we're going to do the pop five rapid fire where I'm going to give you five pop culture headline stories, things that have happened recently. And you're going to give me word, phrase, story, whatever you want to talk about for each. Great. First up is Julianne Moore to play Evan's mom in Dear Evan Hansen, the oh my movie. God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just made a Facebook status about this yesterday because I was so livid because people on my Facebook were like, artists don't need relief. And then they're like, oh, my God, Julianne Moore's in Dear Evan Hansen. And I was like, listen, 
bitch. Like, if you are going to be loving this Dear Evan Hansen movie, but you don't think that artists need relief because Dear Evan Hansen literally started as a musical at a nonprofit theater, like, who are you? Like, it just blows my mind that people don't understand how art is literally everywhere and there isn't a need for relief for artists like you yeah. literally complain about not needing a relief for artists i mean this is a meme that's everywhere you complain about not needing a relief for artists and then you go to look at art like there's like you can't escape it so help those people so you can yeah. have this art while you like go back home and you live your life and you have your like live laugh love decal on your wall and you like your and you like daughter named braylon like i just like can't with these ah. white women. Ah! Yeah. Okay, okay. That turned into a rant, so thank you for that. Let's see if you got a rant <laughs> for number two. Number two is in NYC schools pushing start date to September 21st. Oh, shit! They avoided a strike. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow! Okay. Um, wow. That is... That is... That is wild that is wild that it was um it, is that for certain is that confirmed or is that just like they're working on it right right now it's been pushed back to september 21st to prepare all the schools uh because guess what they weren't prepared and it wasn't safe enough to go of back of course they weren't prepared it it's just absolutely ridiculous i mean i worked my day job was in in-school programming in all five boroughs and we i mean and we worked we weren't in like the Frank Sinatra and like the LaGuardia School for the Arts. We were in schools that didn't have arts programming and right. schools that we like, we were the arts programming for some of the students I worked with. And the desperation and, or it's the disparation, excuse me, the disparation of, of equity and supplies that already existed pre COVID. And now it's like, it's just, and it's just even more so now. And you have yeah. like, I mean, I am so, of course the schools aren't prepared. <laughs> this is the largest school district in the like school system in the country. And, and, and like they're slashing the budgets. Like it's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, God, it just pisses me off. Anyway. <laughs> Number three, the Dancing with the Stars cast announcement. Oh my God, Carol Baskins! Oh my God, someone tweeted, uh, someone I follow on Twitter, Phil Nobile Jr. tweeted how um, uh, if they don't play Maneater, when she, she can't, if she doesn't dance to Hall Notes as Maneater, then they are solely missing a joke. And I was like, oh my yeah. God. Uh, honestly, I'm ready for it. I'm ready. Bring in Carol Baskins. But, I, but aren't, I aren't you Tango. also excited for the, um, the salsa to Nelly's Hot in Here performed by Nelly? Wait, Nelly is on too? Nelly is on and Heish. Oh my um, god! Uh, yeah, it's a group of whack jobs. Jesse Metcalf. <laughs> there has never been a drunker casting choice than every season of Dancing with the Stars. It is truly, you just, you dunk your hand into a fishbowl of every name on the planet and pull one out. Yep, and, and, I, and now it's hosted by Tyra Banks. So what the hell is this show going to be? What? Oh, it's going to be amazing if it's hosted by Tyra Banks because yeah. she is ridiculous and she knows exactly how to make good TV. Yeah. Okay, I am, I am, I've never been an avid Dancing with the Stars watcher, but I think I'm going to watch more this season. That is It'll good. be interesting. Number four is Chadwick Boseman's death. Uh, really, really, um, 
a slap in the face. It was really a slap in the face. I, because like everyone else, I had no idea that he was battling cancer. And I, I really haven't watched the Avengers movies at all. So I know I, I'm like, wow, I definitely need to, I mean, and, and I, I have so many friends that were like, you need to watch Black Panther. You need to watch this movie. And uh, the only reason I hadn't watched it is again, it's like, I just, I've, I, I don't know. For the longest time, I was like, eh, it's a superhero movie. I'll, like, watch it later. Yeah. And and I I mean, I definitely want to watch it now um, because, you know, I learned... Also, he's from South Carolina as well. He's from um, he's from Anderson, South Carolina. And uh, so in the upstate, near where I grew up in Greenville. Um, so, I, you know, I didn't really know anything about him growing up. But... Um, he, he was very much celebrated in his hometown and i have friends who are from there who were like we knew about him and i i have friends who are in the arts who are like you know when you have someone who is in the arts and to to not only be as successful as chadwick was but to to be as um to exemplify such a, a paramount um form of humility as a person and, and just this excellence that he exuded as a person um, really is a life lesson that we can all learn and yeah. all benefit from learning. And I, um, I, I, I mean, uh, absolutely. It's, I was very astonished how much it took me aback by how little I knew about him. And then I learned about him over the past week and I'm like, holy shit. Like he is a, a brilliant, brilliant man and very, very unfortunate. Yeah. Very, very unfortunate. And number five is Lady Gaga at the VMAs. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was so good. It was so good. Listen, 911 is not the next single I think should be. I think it should be signed from above because that is a masterpiece and is an unbelievable opus. But she looked fucking brilliant. She wore a mask the entire time. She, she like, she like gave probably like five masks to like designers and was like, make a look. I don't care. Like make it surround this mask or something. Like she killed it. It was so, she was, she's brilliant. She's a, she's a fucking performer. She is back at the top. She deserves to stay there. She is absolutely brilliant. She fucking, she's, she's fucking everything. She is, she, if I had like, you know, gays have their like divas. I yeah. am a Gaga. Gaga is my diva. Yeah. Gaga has always been my diva since 2008. She is 100% my diva. She and did. Dolly Parton, but Gaga also. But I have not read Dolly, or I have not read Gaga's memoir. I have read Dolly's memoir. So, Ooh, okay, okay. Come on, Gaga, release a memoir. So, I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question. And this is a question from Casey Beyonce. Oh. What was your most epic fail on stage, and how did you recover from it? <laughs> Oh my God, I, oh my God. Okay, I think you were there for this one, Michael. Maybe you were, I'm trying to remember if you were or not. I, it was, um, I was a guest for Gilda Wabbit at Albatross at a bingo. Mm -hmm. And Emmy Great was there. And Sounds I like love, a pun, uh, uh, the setup of a joke already. I know, <laughs> I love that bitch. She fucking, uh, she heckled me in a moment and threw a lime at me out of her drink, which was cute and funny. And I like, I thought it was hysterical. And then 
literally right before like okay we're gonna get started for bingo i take one step forward my heel catches the lime on the floor oh my god I, in that tiny ass albatross stage my heel catches it i do this basically a a, a dip but i like slam onto the floor and my hand hits the bingo table so and this was when we had they had the old school bingo they didn't have the computer right. yet so the bingo everything went flying off my drink went flying gilda's drink went flying like every none of the like nothing was damaged thank god but i hit the floor everything like everyone at the bar just stopped just stopped talking and i got up and i was like ha ah! and i like i don't know I, I like blacked out i don't remember what i said but like Gilda, like, Gilda, like, quickly closed the curtain, and, like, we're just, like, okay, we're, we'll be back in five minutes, and, like, we just quickly reset <laughs> and started the show, and, um, I was, like, oh, my God, and I, and I, I remember Gilda was, after the show, she was, like, you know, you were great, they love messing queens, and I was, like, <laughs> so that's why Audrey Phoenix moved out there, got it, okay, great, <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, I will never, ever, ever forget that moment. Well, yep. now it's your turn to ask my next guest a question. Oh my God. Okay, my question is, um, if you could, if there was one if there was one drag number that you think, or if there's one drag song that you think is overused, if you could make that your own personal brand new number that no one's ever used before, what is it and why? Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. I like that. I'm interested yeah. to see what the answer is going to be. Yeah. Well, where can the listeners find you on social media? All right. So... You can find me on uh, Instagram at Facebook, both She's Up To No Good, Instagram at She's Up To No Good, Facebook is facebook.com slash She's Up To No Good, and I recently am on Twitter, Twitter at Nancy No Good. I should change that for branding. And you can find my new podcast releasing September 12th on Instagram at Y2GayReruns_Pod, and uh, Or just follow me, I'll be posting more about it anyway. Amazing. Well, it was a pleasure catching up with you. It has been so nice to catch up with you. Oh, let's do it in person at some point. Yes, you know, please. When, when we can again, we'll just we'll just like we'll just put our hands, press our hands up against like, yeah. the screen. I love it. We'll do yeah. it. Well, It'll thanks for doing this. Thank you so much, Michael. A huge thanks to Nancy for chatting. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk.